Greetings, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. This is Pastor Mike, and I'm here in my office with my Bible open to Matthew chapter 18, where it says, beginning in verse 18, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Now, we've been talking about the church and the place and purpose that God has for every member of his church. God has made us a kingdom of priests who worship God in spirit and in truth. Every person has been gifted and therefore empowered to minister according to the grace given them. God has created us to live in community. We were baptized into his body, and as such, our faith will be lived out in relationship with others who also have God's Spirit living in them. Now, we see this most often fleshed out through the local church. In this passage, Jesus is saying that where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. A local church is a community of believers who gather in order to worship, get teaching from God's Word, and experience fellowship with one another. It's a place where believers are equipped to be sent out, where they pray together, where they're trained to rightly handle and teach God's Word, where they pastor and care for one another, and where they're empowered to share the gospel with those that they're in relationship with. This is the fivefold ministry of the church that we've talked about in recent episodes. And while in itself, this is a grand vision of the church, God's vision for the church is even bigger than that. Because even a single congregation, like a cell in the human body, is just one part of the church, capital C. There is one church that meets in many congregations and communities throughout the world. Now, we easily accept that on an intellectual level, but often miss out on how profoundly this affects how we carry out God's great commission on earth. When Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. The word that Jesus used for church there was ecclesia. Recently, the church has been rediscovering this concept of the ecclesia and its implications concerning mission. Ecclesia literally means assembly. It's an, any assembly of believers, as small as two or three, who gather in his name. That's to say that they gather under Christ's authority and as an extension of his authority. What's so revealing about this word ecclesia is that in Jesus' day, this was not a religious word at all but a word used in secular governance. The Romans, as did the Greeks before them, convened assemblies, ecclesias, throughout their empire in which governmental authority was entrusted to carry out the desires of the emperor or the king. Where there was an ecclesia anywhere in the Roman Empire, there also rested the authority of the emperor. Although geography separated them from their capital and their king, their coming together as fellow citizens brought the power and presence of Rome into their midst. 
It's in this context that Jesus' listeners would have understood him when he said in Matthew 18, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Here we see this extension of God's kingdom authority being manifest through the ecclesia, through the agreement of two or three who have gathered in his name. The power of the ecclesia is not primarily in its numbers, but in the authority of its agreement. As God speaks through his written word and through the Holy Spirit to his people, we are to discern God's heart and his desires for our world. We then bind those things which stand in opposition to God's purposes and loose his will so that now his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we're familiar with the Lord's Prayer, but in the original language, this part of the Lord's Prayer is much more of a declaration than how it's often translated into English. It reads literally, Come, kingdom of God. Be done, will of God. The church was designed to be the thing that God uses as the catalyst for transformation on this earth. Transformation is what happens when God's presence invades our world, invades our lives, invades the very institutions of our cities and communities. We tend to see the church as an institution that meets in a building, much like the Jews in Jesus' day viewed the temple or the synagogue. But Jesus didn't say, I will build my temple so the kings of the earth will come and worship, or I will build my worldwide network of synagogues to make the gospel available to every nation. He said, I will build my ecclesia, my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Where the temple and the synagogue were static institutions that were building-centered, the ecclesia is a mobile people movement, if you would, that can operate 24-7 wherever two or three gather, whether it be in a home or the marketplace or a school or in a neighborhood. It's not limited to the assembling of those within a single congregation where God's people exist. There the Spirit of God is present, and so is the power and authority of the King of Kings to bind and loose and to displace the gates of Hades. I recently read a story in a newsletter put out by Ed Silvoso that I thought was a beautiful example of what this looks like. The story was about a woman named Mariella, who is the director of a school in Argentina that was located in one of the poorest and most dangerous districts in her city. Mariella's school was a Christian school that for whatever reason attracted the children of drug traffickers and rival cartel members. One day, the biggest drug trafficker in town enrolled not only his son, but also his nieces and nephews in Mariella's school. Not long after, the school was being threatened by other rival drug lords, and the police had to have the school under constant surveillance. Sadly, these children brought this culture of drugs and violence from their homes into the school. During recess, instead of playing games like normal children, they would imitate drug deals and pretend they were drunk or high. 
Mariella didn't know what to do as her heart was breaking for these children. So she decided to gather some of the other like-minded teachers and administrators together for prayer and to ask God to change the spiritual climate of their school. They began to pray God's word and his promises over the school and to declare that every curse be broken by God's power. Then they did something unusual and they enlisted the kindergartners who still had childlike faith to join them in prayer. They began to prayer walk the neighborhood around the school and bless the people and the businesses of the community. Each of the students in the school was asked to make a list of 10 people they were to pray for. One day, Mariella asked the son of the drug lord if he was praying for his neighbors. And he pulled out two pages of names and replied, I'm praying that drugs will leave all our families. What happened next? The spiritual climate began to rapidly change and many miracles occurred. Entire families employed in drug trafficking left it after placing their faith in Jesus Christ. Families steeped in violence began to forsake violence. The transformation was so radical that the police presence was no longer necessary. Children relearned innocence and began healthy play with one another. The transformation was so noticeable that 40 other schools in the province asked Mariella and her team to teach them how to follow their model. This is what happens when ordinary people catch a kingdom vision and an understanding that God has called them to be ministers in the places where God has put them, that they've been given the keys to the kingdom. Two or three gathered in a school and in prayer bound the enemy, loosed God's blessing, and saw God transform not just their school, but the neighborhood in which they lived. These weren't even believers who attended the same church, but they were the assembly of believers that God had placed in that school for that time. That's the power of the ecclesia. Satan often traps the church inside its buildings. We hold church services, create church programs, form church committees, teach classes, and wonder why with all this activity, we aren't expanding the kingdom of God into the gates of Hades or effectively discipling our city. That's because the ecclesia was designed to be like leaven in a loaf of bread that permeates the loaf, or salt that flavors and preserves the food, or light that dispels the darkness. These are all biblical pictures of the church. What they touch, they are meant to transform. God's design is that his presence and power be displayed through the church. This will not happen by accident. Ephesians 4 charges leaders to equip all believers to do the work of the ministry. Now we've talked about that aspect of the ministry where the body is built up as each member uses their gift to minister to others in the body. But as believers, we must also embrace the fact that we are called as ministers where we live, where we work, where we go to school. The apostolic ministry of sending, the prophetic ministry of praying, the pastoral ministry of caring for the hurting, the teaching ministry of declaring the truth, the evangelistic ministry of sharing the gospel. All these ministries have applications in the world among those who are lost. 
We need reminding that our mission, the Great Commission, is to disciple nations. I love how one pastor that I know said, I'm not just the pastor of my congregation. I'm the pastor of my city. There are sheep who are in the fold, but there are many more who are in my flock, but not yet in the fold. I am also their pastor. They just don't know it yet. Today, let's ask ourselves who we can connect with in our workplace or school or neighborhood to begin seeking God's face through prayer and to discern God's heart and desire for the people around us who are living in darkness. We have been given the keys to the kingdom. A key is of no use until it unlocks and opens a door. The transformation of a city can be measured by the presence of God invading not just its churches, but every institution of that city from families to governments. If God touches the church, it's revival. When God's presence occupies the gates of the city through his church, that's transformation. Jesus purchased with his death and therefore has a redemptive purpose for the people and places where we live, work, and learn. All things were created by him and for him so that in everything he might have supremacy. When Jesus was raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of God, all authority in heaven and on earth was placed under his feet, and God appointed him to be over everything in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that today you would fill your church, fill everything, in every way, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.